This is AWLS, Podcasts on Wilderness Medicine, from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hello, this is Richard Ingerbretson from the University of Utah School of Medicine. We're very glad that you uh, tuned in today to listen to our AWLS podcast series. Today we have a very special story. It's one of those stories that's both tragic and inspirational. One of those things that out of tragedy comes uh, just an incredible thing. We have uh, Jen Lundberg here with us today, and so glad to have you here, Jen. Welcome. Thank you, Rich. Hello. As Rich said, my name is Jen, and I am here today to share me and my family's story. Um, It started on July the 2nd, 2021. I'm a registered nurse, and I was leaving the hospital in Park City, Utah, in the United States, that afternoon when I got a phone call from my husband, so I thought. Um, When I answered the phone, it was a sheriff on the other side, and he was calling to tell me that somebody had found my husband um, laying on one of the rail trails up here in Park City, unresponsive, and that I needed to get there as soon as I could. So I jumped on my bike, we live pretty close, and sped over uh, to where my husband was, and I picked up his things from the um, sheriff at that time, and then quickly went home and asked my kids how long my husband had been gone. Um, The things that I collected were his electric skateboard, his wallet, his sunglasses, and a baseball cap. So, Jen, what you're saying is that when you got there, your husband had died. He hadn't passed at that time. Um, What he had suffered was a fatal head injury. Um, As I got down to the hospital where he was flown to, which was the University of Utah Hospital, and went into the trauma bay, and um, unfortunately he wasn't in there yet at the time, He was still in uh, CT scan, getting radiographic imaging to see how significant his head injury was. So from there, um, the doctor, I found one of the doctors and shortly had a a conversation with him. And as soon as I started talking to that doctor, an anesthesiologist came up to me. And at that time, I knew that my husband was needing to go to the OR for a decompression of his the pressure in his um, head injury. After he was in the OR for a few hours, it seemed like forever, um, we learned that the outcome was not going to be positive. He had a significant brain bleed and some other head injuries as far as uh, um, something he wasn't going to recover from. He had a skull fracture and some subdural hematomas as well. So um, he fortunately made it through the night And the next day, we were able to align um, processes with Donor Connect to have his organs donated. So, Jen, let me ask you a question right now. What I'm I'm still not sure. So, what had happened uh, that had caused the injury? You know what, Rich? That is a wonderful question. We have always been a major mountain biking family, and we always wore helmets. My husband ended up jumping on his electric skateboard without his helmet that day. 
And with that information, he is a perfect example, unfortunately, of one choice, one time, and that might be all that we have. So after my husband passed away, I was trying to figure out what the next step was to do. Um, I'm a nurse. I like to teach. We just experienced an unfortunate event in our house. It was a tragedy. I needed to go back to work, but I didn't really want to go back to work. Um, So what could I do? I started talking to one of my buddies who's an anesthesiologist, his name's Nate, about possibly starting a foundation. And what would that look like? And what would we call it? What would be our focus? All of those questions came into play. And then without too much of a thought, I was like, how can I turn my husband's name, Will, W-I-L, into something? How can I incorporate that into this foundation? After some thought and bouncing some ideas off some family members, we came up with Will's Foundation. And what that stands for is Wilderness Instruction for Outdoor Life Skills. And boom, just like that, we were ready to run. So what is our mission at Will's Foundation? It's twofold, really. We do a couple things. One is we educate and empower people of all ages across the state of Utah and throughout our country because everybody plays outdoor a lot to use the protective gear that is appropriate with whatever outdoor activity they're playing. That's a big one. Secondly, what we do is we empower and educate coaches and other team leaders out in the community how to take care of kids or hikers, bikers, other outdoor recreationists in their time of need. My husband got help pretty quick. Thankfully, he was on a rail trail. It was July the 2nd. It was a busy weekend. Somebody found him pretty quick. So our goal is to impact a lot of people so that they too can help somebody who might need help in an emergent situation. Obviously, helmets is a big piece of outdoor activity, right? My husband, unfortunately, didn't have his on. For a long time in our house, we couldn't even mention the word helmet because my kids would get super frustrated and sad. You can imagine. However, helmets go along with a lot of things that we do outside, whether it's ATVing, motorcycle riding, bike riding, um, horseback riding, skateboarding, e-scooter using, electric bike use, the list kind of goes on and on. Those are all pedestrian conveyance vehicles, and we really need to promote helmet use when we're on these objects. So that's what we do. Jen, this is a a remarkable story, and um, thank you for telling it. I I have a question, and that is uh, I don't think that anybody questions in many sports, you should wear helmets. Um, but what helm- What sports are people not wearing helmets where you think they should? Or what are the numbers that of uh, brain injury in the world or in the United States? 
Thanks for that question. I would have to say there's so many different kind of helmets out there. It really depends on what activity you're doing. Um, there are new helmets in the past, you know, five, six years with MIPS in them. And uh, What's a MIPS? A, a MIPS is actually a low friction layer that is designed within the helmet, and it helps when there's a blow to the head, takes that it rotates and takes that direct blow off of the head. So therefore, hoping to prevent a concussion or hopefully a traumatic brain injury. To answer your other question, Rich, about the prominence of head injuries or traumatic brain injuries, slightly different, both of them, um, it's staggering. Across the United States, Annually, there's about 52,000 people who die of a traumatic brain injury. That's in the United States only. Yes, that is definitely in the United States only. So if we go back to 2021, um, roughly every year in the emergency department, there's 2,000 people who visit the emergency department just because of a pedestrian conveyance device accident. Okay, that doesn't capture all of just the head injuries, but I will tell you a staggering number. Just in the state of Utah, in the United States, uh, from 2017 to 2021, only half of those visits in the emergency department on the pedestrian conveyance devices, which does include, again, the road bikes, e-bikes, mountain bikes, skateboards, scooters, only 47% had helmets. So that is pretty significant. What we learned with our experience was that nobody thinks it will happen to them. So please wear your helmet every time so you can live to play another day. Another piece of what our mission is in the foundation is taking on e-bike safety and trying to figure out how we can educate in a professional manner and not a parental manner the teens locally to be safe on their e-bike whether that's navigating trails to roadways and roundabouts or having them understand just etiquette on the trails when they are out on their e-bikes. Speaking of trails, more of rail trails, not single track trails. So we began that, doing that this past year. And what we do is present e-bike safety. I share my story and, excuse me, our family story. And then one of my emergency room uh, trauma coordinators actually presents the trauma data so that the kids understand that they are in a high-risk category from the ages of 12 to 22. How many times have we seen while we're driving through town, whether that's Salt Lake City or Park City or any other town, a kid or an adult on a regular bike or an e-bike without a helmet? Or the helmet is strategically in a basket or clipped to the front handlebars or to the back seat. 
what can we do? How can we educate them to be safe and to always wear a helmet? How much of young people and or adults uh, helmet wearing has to do with the culture and and in different countries around the world? Uh, I remember the last time I was in Belgium, everybody had a helmet on riding bikes. They have tens of thousands of riders. Everyone wears a helmet. But in other places in the world I drive, no one has a helmet. And then young people won't wear it if their friends don't wear it. Have you looked at that? Actually, that is a great question. And I have a little bit trying to incorporate how we can how we can get kids to be champions and help hold other kids, peers of theirs, accountable to wearing helmets. That will be my next mission. By having these other peers hold their teammates or classmates accountable is what we will hope would be helpful to um, you know, ha- support helmet use. A lot of the kids, sometimes they don't like the helmets because, believe it or not, it messes up my hair, Rich. I can believe that. I think that image is a big deal with people, and that that clearly could be a problem. There are some really good helmet companies out there, Um, nutcase helmets, thousand helmets that have decorated helmets specifically for e-bike use. And then they have other lines of helmets for um, other use as well. That begs a question to someone. Um, I wear my helmet when I ride my bike. Uh, I don't wear my helmet when I jog. Uh, and I, uh, when I get up on the slopes, I put on a helmet. But does one helmet fit all sports? Like if you're worried about cost, if I'm on my bike helmet, can I wear it to go skiing and feel safe? Probably not, Rich. They're, they're, they cover a little bit different of our head, um, the different types of helmets, like your bike helmet compared to your snowboard or skiing helmet. Those ones have less holes, and they protect more of the crown or the base of your skull a little bit better. Why, now why? So if I can't afford two helmets, I guess wearing a bike helmet skiing is better than nothing? Can I say that? Maybe so. I would have to say that I've never seen... Anybody on the ski slopes with bike helmets, but you did wear something to protect your head. So from that standpoint, it's a good thing. And uh, uh, what about uh, do the manufacturers' helmets make them look cool to try and attract different people to get them to wear the helmets? That's another great question. I'm not sure. There's so many different helmets out there. Like your skateboard helmet's different than your bike helmet, but I would think that the skateboard helmet could actually double for an e-bike helmet slash scooter helmet. Probably not great for a mountain bike helmet, but it depends on how snug it fits, right? And is, is there a different helmets that would fit all? And the question, reason I ask is if you have a family, because people listening to this are going to have more than one child or they're going to be a coach or a leader and uh, they only have a handful of helmets, can one person wear another person's helmet? If it fits properly, yes, indeed, they can share helmets. And so uh, the outer coating of a helmet, color I'm sure doesn't matter, but what should people look for in a helmet? Um, Basically a good fit. They come in all different sizes. Some 
go by the centimeters of your head and they actually show you how to measure that. Um, but generally they might have junior helmets for, for little kids up to fifth grade, but it also depends on the size of the kid's head. Then you can get into the adult helmets. A small helmet is generally like a 52 centimeters to 56 centimeters. And I know that because that's my head size. Um, other companies will combine a small and medium helmet, which will go up to maybe 57 centimeters. Um, and then they just get bigger from there. So the question is, is how does the helmet fit on your head? Okay, it can't be lifted in the front. It's got to fit just right uh, at your brow basically. Um, and then does it fit snug so that you can tighten the strap under your chin appropriately so it doesn't slosh around? Um, the other nice thing about some of the newer helmets are they have a little, the little twist back at the base of your head that you can twist the button to the right and it gets tighter. So it gets a better solid fit so that your helmet isn't moving around. Because if your helmet's moving around too much or the front of your helmet points to the sky, uh, those are not good fit helmets. That's a really good comment. We did an earlier podcast that was actually a couple of years ago now, so the listeners have to go back, but it was, uh, it's called the development of a new kayak helmet about a young man who was killed up in Idaho in the United States because his helmet, when he hit the water, uh, was pushed back over his head. It didn't stay on. Then he hit his head on a rock. But the new uh, design of kayak helmets have multiple straps and clamps which keep that from happening. But the the challenge, I think, now is they're getting good with helmets, and you've given us good advice. I think I'm not sure how you motivate other than to say my husband died, and so please wear your helmet. But I wish that there was a way. What can the coaches, what can the parents, what can the friends do? You said making a champion. Anything else that you can think of in your experience to help people wear helmets? Well, if the concern is economic reasons, then there's lots of places that people can reach out to to get free helmets or donated helmets or cheaper helmets. There's a bunch out there, and sometimes helmets can be, you know, $15 um, at Walmart or, you know, go uh, to another store and you can find a cheap helmet uh, or helmet cost-wise, but the bottom line is any helmet is far better than no helmet at all. We are encouraging you to wear your helmet every time so that you can live to play another day. That is our motto at Will's Foundation. Please visit our website at www.wilsfoundation.org. Jen, thank you for taking the time uh, uh, to come in and talk to us about uh, out of a uh, horrible tragedy in your life came a foundation which has saved lives and prevented head trauma, and we are with you all the way. Please visit her website and support her in her effort. This ends the podcast on the founding of Will's Foundation, and as always, we say thank you for listening. <laughs>